Welcome to Fresh Off the Vine. I'm Karen Coyne, Certified Financial Planner, and my guest today is Julie Gaver. She is an author, speaker, corporate trainer, and seeker of new things, self-professed lover of the garden, and lover of shoes. (laughs) And so she's here to tell us all about it today. Welcome, Julie. Hi, Karen. It's so exciting to have you here today. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Definitely. We recently hosted an event for clients and friends called Wise Women, Wild Hearts, where you spoke and delivered your inspirational and funny messages and just got so much good feedback. We thought, well, we have to keep the conversation going. Oh, well, thank you. By the way, that was such a fun event and you all did a fabulous job. It was venue. uh, It was great. Thank you. Yeah, I just thought it was perfect. We held the event at a vintage shop. So there were, well, a mix of new and old pieces, furniture, Mm -hmm. accessories. And I just thought, how appropriate to suit our message of reinvention. And you might find yourself somewhere that wasn't maybe where you started or where you envisioned ending up. Right. Well, it was a great day. And I don't know if I mentioned this to you. Before we met, I had heard your name a couple times, and I had hosted another event a couple years ago at the shooting range. And it was not called Wise Women Wild Hearts, but it was kind of a similar mojo. It was, you know, smart, fun women and doing this new and challenging experience. And when I was putting the event together and I was talking to the guy at the shooting range, he's like, oh, are you part of Julie Gaver's group? And I was like... (laughs) Yeah. He's like, who? What? And then he proceeded to tell me, oh, well, there's this lady and she put this really cool group Mm -hmm. together and it sounds just like yours. And that's when I was like, okay, I've been hearing about this Julie lady now. We need to meet, right? We need to meet. Oh, yeah. We had a nice event. We called it Huns with Guns. (laughs) And I did one at a range there in Hagerstown. And then I did, a couple years later, I did one in Frederick as well. So much fun. I'm terrible at it. I mean, I could hardly hit the target, but it was a great night. (laughs) I was the worst one in our group as well. And I'm telling you, a couple of my clients, including ones who have never held a gun before, I would not Mm -hmm. want to cross them in a dark alley. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, that's neat. So, but it did lead to us meeting each other. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So I am as well, because you have so many wonderful stories to share. And I think you're such a source of inspiration for so many people. And that event itself was so successful in large part because of all the people who are your raving fans that are just like, what, Julie? Okay, I'll be there. If Julie's there, I'll be there. (laughs) Well, it's important to have a tribe and I've just been very blessed. I guess it's one of the benefits of being around a long time, right? (laughs) You just accumulate people in your life. So it's one of the benefits of growing older. (laughs) Well, but you know, that's a great point because there are people who've been around for a long time but definitely do not have the tribe that you Mm. something that you have cultivated very well and teach others now how to do that as well right to give them the tools to do that right absolutely that's a big part of what you do is connecting people with themselves and others Mm -hmm. and really helping them blossom So can you tell me how that came to be? Because you started out in corporate. You weren't always running your own show as an author and trainer. No. Actually, my educational background was in the social services, but I always worked in the business environment, usually sales, marketing, public relations. And I was, you know, approaching 40s, 
had been working for a CPA firm as their director of marketing and PR, had two sons. You know, we were busy raising them at the same time. I had one in middle school and one in elementary school. And you know the drill. You're busy. You're working full time. You're doing all kinds of other activities related to your work. And then you're trying to be the super mom as well and the den leader and all of that good stuff. And so one night I had picked my sons up at the daycare provider and we were on our way to soccer. And my younger son, who was the elementary school, I think it was about fifth grade then, you know, he was sitting in the front and we were just having our typical conversation. And he said, mommy, can I ask you a question? And I'm sure, honey, what's up? And he says, why don't you ever smile anymore? Oh, wow. I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, are you mad at us? You just don't smile anymore. And, you know, I've shared this story so many times. And each time I feel my heart just tighten because I thought, well, I don't know. And I remember that night, telling my husband about it and you know I'm like yeah I don't know I'm just I'm so stressed out and I guess I'm not really in love with what I'm doing and so after a lot of soul searching a lot of planning and I know you certainly promote and understand the importance of planning financially we decided I was going to stop working for a while and take a sabbatical to spend time with them and to figure out what was next and all of that and how old were your kids at the time Oh, let's see. My older was probably sixth grade and my younger one was probably like fourth, something like that. Oh, wow. So yeah, you were deep. So, oh yeah, deep in activities. Yeah. I mean, people were shocked. You know, I was kind of putting on the good front that I was able to handle everything and very happy with it. And so when I resigned from my position, which was a job that I enjoyed, it didn't give me a great source of meaning necessarily, but people were pretty surprised. So during that time, which ended up just being a year, you know, I really did a lot of soul searching, thought about what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was working part-time in addition to my full-time job as a Dale Carnegie instructor. And that's really how I got into the speaking industry. So I was an adjunct professor for them or instructor. And the more I started thinking about What made me happy, the more I realized it was really being in front of a group and working with people and watching them learn. And so I started my business, which was really at the time strictly corporate training. Okay. It was team building, was doing some communication skills, mostly soft skill training. And when you started back then, did you have a vision of what would follow? Oh, no, not at all. I just knew that at the beginning, I was so happy that I had created something on my own because I never saw myself as an entrepreneur ever. Mm -hmm. And I was happy that I had something that I was creating. I was happy that people were hiring me, (laughs) you know, they saw a need for what I did and extremely happy that it was flexible enough that I could work in an area that I enjoyed and yet had the flexibility to do the things with my family that I wanted. And how scary was that for you in those early days? You know, it's funny. It wasn't a background that... in sales too. So, I mean, yes. You, you yes. Know, I feel like yeah. that kind of helps buffer because anyone who's had a sales position hopefully has had some experience and degree of acclimation to rejection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, it's funny. I've always 
been in sales for other companies. And so there's a part of it that you are partially removed from. When you hang your sign out and it's you, it's so deeply personal. And so there was a little bit more nervousness about selling me and myself versus sales for another company. But the risk, I guess, wasn't quite as great as perhaps other people because I had taken a year off. I had taken a sabbatical. I was not earning an income at all for that year. And so I remember actually making the comment way back then, well, even if I only have a couple of clients, that's more than I'm making now. Right. So that helped me. It was so kind of a way to could do it. It was in. only going to get better. Yes. And that's how it worked. It started slowly. My first client was actually my former employer. So that was a nice way to ease back into the work world. Nice. When you say they were your first client, that was for corporate training? Yeah, for corporate training. So as I said, I did a lot of kind of communication skills. I actually had put together a workshop on how to go to networking events, how to give feedback. A lot of the topics that I saw a need for, having come from the corporate environment and just thinking, well, these are topics that people really need to get better in. And so I did that for many, many years and was quite happy strictly doing corporate training. And then in 2009, well, I don't have to tell you what happened. Oh, right. (laughs) Oh, the economy just started going crazy. And so my work that was really becoming quite steady started to really slow down. Mm. And, you know, I found very quickly that during a recession, companies are trying to tighten their belt. And the two things that it seems like that they want to get rid of first, because they see it as non-essential, is training and marketing. Right. And, you know, training is what I did. So during that period of time, as it slowed down for me, I kept thinking, well, I could just be really sad and feel depressed because, woe is me, people aren't hiring as much as they were, or I could make good use of the time. And so I chose the latter. And I did two things which impacted me pretty profoundly. The first is I went back to school and started working on my master's degree. And it took me five years, but I got that done. And I was really proud of the fact that I was able to do that. It was a bucket list item. Mm. Now, we have fast forwarded. So I started doing that back when my sons were heading off to college. So that was sort of a waited till they got out of the house and then started working on my degree. And the other thing that I had always wanted to do was write a book. And that's when the first book became a reality. And that was Must Love Shoes? Must Love Shoes, the first one. There's three in the series, but that was my first baby. And, you know, I would write a little bit each day and create stories. And it was all about life from the female perspective, about humor, about, you know, not taking yourself so seriously and about the community of women and just how we are all so much more alike than we would like to think And so that was pretty exciting. And the book was very well received when it came out. And what's cool about that is, so you wrote this book, you were turning lemons into lemonade, Mm -hmm, this book, and then look at what has come as a result of this book. I know. (laughs) You know, I'd like to tell you that it was some great strategic plan, (laughs) but but I'm not that smart. (laughs) 
And it's so funny how things happen. I mean, a lot of times people say, did you choose that career or did you choose that or did it choose you? And I think for me, it chose me because when the book came out and of course, you know, it's men like the book too. I got good feedback, but it's really about women and women could really relate to so many of the stories that were in the book. And so then I started getting phone calls from different women's groups organizations that wanted to do something strictly for like their women clients, for example, kind of like what you did. Mm -hmm. And they would ask me to present and I'm still kind of in corporate training mode thinking, okay, you know, they want to talk about something very business related. And so when we would sit down to talk about what topics, they'd say, oh, we want you to tell stories from the book. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So it just kind of evolved very slowly that I was getting more and more requests from women. And it started becoming like a niche market, Mm. first with the presenting piece of it. And then as more of these opportunities became available, I started kind of reaching out and thinking about, wow, what are some other cool things that we could do to bring women together? Because as you saw at your event, you know, when you get women together in a room. The dynamic is just different. It is. And I'm a lot like you in that, I mean, part of it is there is this creative outlet that gets fulfilled, but it's also fulfilling for me when I help clients, if they're stuck and I can help connect them or inspire them to know what their next chapter looks like. Because a lot of people think, oh, financial planning, it's about investments and numbers and portfolios. And yes, it is but that's only a piece of it. There's a large Mm -hmm. part of it that's really based on goal planning and really that boils down to vision. And so- Mm -hmm. And uh, it's life planning. It's life planning. Exactly. We talk about that all the time. It's, It's life planning and you're your own barometer in that sense. And you have to shut out a lot of the noise that's out there that's telling you what your barometer is. And I tell people, that's not your barometer. You have your own. Mm -hmm. What is it that's important to you? And so I love doing these events like the one that we did together because, you know, if we can help inspire and educate and challenge our clients and our friends, it leads to these connections and conversations and ultimately just lots of great things. Agreed. I just notice as a presenter that when I'm in a group of women presenting, the laughter is freer, People tend to let their guards down, the camaraderie. It's just a different dynamic that is almost hard to articulate. Yes. And the more I started doing that, the more I loved it and the more I craved it. And that's kind of what led to so many of the other things. Yes. I was going to say out of the book, then you started a book group and events. Book club. Charity. Yeah, the book club. You've done together. Well, the book clubs I love because I've been in many different book clubs just with friends and you know that type of thing over the years. And I guess I'm kind of a book nerd because although I always loved the book clubs I was in, there were so many times when we would never even talk about the book. You know, <laughs> we would drink wine, which I love, of course. And then, you know, we talk about people and things and what's going on, but we never actually got to the book. And so that kind of happened out of my need to want to create an environment where people really came 
to talk about the book. I mean, obviously, we want the camaraderie and the socialization and the networking, but I really wanted the book to be the focus of it. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing that for a number of years. It's open to the public. I choose four. Some years I've done five books, but most of the time it's just four, one a quarter. And I pick books that I'm interested in. I pick books that I think the women who attend will be drawn to. I pick books that people out there are talking about. And uh, we come together. They're usually fairly large groups. They can range anywhere between 20 and 40 some people. Although we had one on Brene Brown's recent book and we had 70 some at that one. But we divide up into small groups. Usually it's just about five or six to a table and I create the questions. And so, you know, we all kind of socialize for a bit and then we settle in, we talk about the books and I sort of go from table to table so that I can kind of listen in and be part of the conversations. But yeah, love, love, love that. And then the travel piece of it came really because I wanted to travel and my husband can't travel. And I thought, well, you know, how can I create this so that I can go to these places that I want and not feel guilty. (laughs) I know it sounds crazy. And I thought, well, I'll make it part of my job. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) (laughs) just like that. So we went to Italy two times. I partnered with a good friend who is practically an Italian resident. She's been there so many times. So we did two different retreats there. Last year, we went to Ireland, and I partnered with another good friend who is an avid traveler. And uh, this year, we just got back. We did one more locally. We went to Waco, Texas. Which, I saw that. Yeah, if you're into the HGTV, it was the Fixer Upper inspired trip, which was really fun. We had 17 women on that one. And I'm working right now for a trip to France for next spring. So that's pretty exciting. I've never been to France. Will wine tasting be a part of that trip? Now, do you even need to ask? (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. You could just build it around pastries even. I mean, (laughs) Well, we're going to take a cooking class. One of the things that we're looking at is visiting a perfumery where they let you kind of make your own perfume, which I think sounds like really fun. Oh, I love Um, that. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're just still kind of working on the details for that, but that'll be next spring. So there's always something happening. And that's the point. I think the thread that ties it all together is it's just a way to get women that perhaps don't really know each other connected and their tribes expand. They start meeting new people that have like interests and it just keeps growing. One of the things I love about what you do and your story is that so many times, whether it's male or female, you know, we get to a point in our lives, you feel stuck. And a lot of times it does happen, you know, 40s plus. And sometimes later even, I mean, I've talked to people, they're totally unhappy with what they're doing, but they just feel Mm -hmm. like they're stuck. And maybe it's Mm -hmm. too late, they can't switch gears, they're going to retire in so many years. And I just think that's terrible. (laughs) You know, I don't, I hate to see someone in that frame of mind where they feel like, They just have to go through the motions and they don't enjoy the day-to-day. Yeah, my biggest heartbreak, and I still hear this a lot, I'll be working in a corporate environment and I'll hear employees say, only four more years, 
or something like that. You know, they're counting how long till they retire. Absolutely. Or it just makes me sad because I'm thinking that's going to be the longest four years of your life. You know, yes. why be that miserable? Why not look for something now that brings you joy in yes. some way? And I was thinking recently, because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's a principal out West and mm. a large school district, and she and her friends are all of this mindset. I mean, like any time they can get off to vacation and mm-hmm. you know, like what you just said about, I only have so many years left. And I, mm-hmm. It just struck me. I thought it's so different from my mindset. Like we were just talking about how I was in Chicago the other week for a conference or yeah. for a class, mm-hmm. but while I was there, I also got to see some friends and family. And so there's this constant intermixing, intertwining. It's almost like an interplay of work and play. So exactly. I don't feel desperate to get away. I don't feel desperate mm-hmm. to take like a month long vacation because first of all, I enjoy what I do, but also I have these opportunities consistently to work and to play mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't have. Yeah, I'm very upfront with women's groups about not liking the term work-life balance. I really don't like that term because it just insinuates that there has to be a sense of evenness to it. The terminology that I like is work-life integration. Mm -hmm. And if you are in a career or you're in a job right now that doesn't really bring you the joy or doesn't really suit who you are, but you can't go for any number of reasons at this time. There's ways to integrate other parts of your life that do bring you joy into that. So that's always a struggle for some people. For me, I think it's easy now because after doing that back in my 40s, now it's just become a big part of who I am. And I think for other people who have gone a real traditional route, you know, they work for another company or they perhaps they work a nine to five kind of job, they haven't flexed their flexibility muscle. Does that make sense? Yes. And so, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're used to being flexible in a lot of ways. And so I do think it's almost like a muscle. And once you start doing it and you start looking at other things that you could do or things that you could bring into your life, it just starts to create some excitement and then you just want more. Completely. I completely agree. And there's just so many more benefits to that too, because, you know, I don't feel burnt out. I don't feel like it's never crossed my mind just four more years or, you Mm -hmm, know, whatever mm -hmm. the equivalent is. It's just such a different mindset. So I love that you help people find the tools to get to that place. So one of the ways that you do that is through your third bloom cohort, right? Yes, yes. Yes. That's a new baby. Actually, it just started last year and it's called Third Bloom Living. And it is a training program. It's a group coaching program, I guess you would call it. But it's a cohort and it's designed to be very small. I only take five women at a time. And when they sign up, they have to be able to attend all four sessions in order to be in the group. Because, you know, the group dynamic is very important. There's an element of kind of building trust amongst the group. But the program is basically helping women who are 40s and beyond to examine their life and to answer the big question, what's next? Or what do I want to be when I grow up at Mm. that age? Mm. And it happened, again, because that's where I am. As I said, I've been working this job for a really long time. I'll be celebrating 23 years this fall of having my corporate training company. Congratulations. 
Thank you. I've been doing a lot of the must love shoes and the women's things for, well, really since 2009. But I just turned 62. And, you know, I start looking at, so what do I want the next season to look like, you know, and how will I incorporate aspects of what I love about my job with what I love about my life and other interests and all that I have. So the program walks the women through a number of questions and exercises and activities, and there's homework assignments, all geared towards helping them figure that out. And I'm very upfront at the first class, and I will say, I do not have your answer for you. The only one that's going to be able to come up with the answer is you. Mm. But what I do is provide them with so many different tools to examine and experiment and kind of even, you know, dip their toe into the water of something that they've been talking about for a long time, and now's the time. So Mm. the group, you know, starts to encourage and cheer each other on. We have a class that's going on right now. Actually, our last session is coming up a week from Friday. And one of those women had been talking about hanging her shingle out for some time, and she did. And we had a session last Friday, and she was announcing everything that was going on. And the group was just genuinely so excited and happy and supportive. And so that group dynamic helps us to become brave. No doubt. Yeah. And so it's really exciting. I run two cohorts a year, at least for now. I run a spring session and a fall session. And I'm toying with the idea. Okay, I'm saying it for the first time. (laughs) I'm toying with the idea of actually doing a retreat, like a weekend retreat. Oh, heck yeah. Um, Yeah. And doing like the whole four sessions over a weekend and offering it for women who may not be able to stretch it out like, you know, the way I do it. Yeah. But could get away for a weekend and might enjoy being in a fun place, maybe down by the beach or something like that. So I think that's, you know, look for that. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's definitely in the cards. But that's Third Bloom Living. I know you've only been doing this for a short period of time. Is it a total mix in terms of married, divorced, widowed, corporate, stay-at-home mom, ages? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what's making it really exciting for me because it's not a one-size-fits-all. So far, out of the two classes, we've had women who are presently employed, not close to retirement, but maybe thinking, oh my gosh, I've done this for a long time. Maybe there's something more. I have some women who the empty nest just started, and so they're kind of working their way through what does life look like, and now it's just me and my husband. (laughs) You know, what do we talk about? I have some that have just recently retired, and they're trying to decide what they want to do that has meaning, that's not work-related necessarily, but perhaps volunteer-related or travel. And I've actually had some people in the class say, I don't even know who I am. Hmm. So, you know, they're kind of exploring some different things related to what makes me happy. You know, what do I like doing? Who am I if I'm not my work? You know, that's a big question. Right. Or my children. Mm -hmm. Or my children. Yeah, especially. And so they're answering some pretty tough questions. 
Where do you start with that? So if I'm listening to this podcast today and I'm one of those women and I'm stuck and I'm either transitioning, you know, my kids are, I'm moving into an empty nest Mm -hmm. or I'm leaving a very successful career and I'm saying, who am I? I mean, where do you start? Without giving away too much of the program, one of the things, and I think I shared this in the presentation that I gave with wise women, mm-hmm. I think we talked about the power of the question, what if? Did I talk about that in yes. your group? I can't yeah. remember. Yes, we did. I love that question. And that's a question that I play with all the time. What if? Because what if is a question that when you're a kid, you ask all the time, you know, what if I ride my bicycle all the way down here and, you know, whatever. To China. Uh, what if? Yeah. And it's possibility, it's It's imagination, and there's no wrong answers. And children just have that creative response to the question. Yeah. And so I love the question, what if for women of a certain age, or really women of all ages, is to, to be brave enough to ask the question and to not allow themselves to be held back or reduced to the, no, I can't do that response. And so sometimes it happens when, you know, you spend a little bit of time by yourself. I always tell people, carve out a little time by yourself, pour yourself a glass of wine, or maybe your favorite beverage, maybe it's a cappuccino, and you get a pad, a paper, and a pen, and you just write what if down the side, the left side of the page. And it's what if, what if, what if, what if, just all the way down. And then just allow yourself to be crazy. And just to start brainstorming. And believe it or not, I do this all the time. I don't even write them now as much because I just do it all the time in my head. Mm -hmm. But it was like, what if I went to France? What if I took someone to France? And then I'm like, what if I started learning the language? What if I decided to trim back my work? What if I only did this kind of work now instead of everything that I'm doing? What if I opened up uh, gardens here at the farm and invited people to come cut flowers. You know, what if I, you know, it's just crazy talk. And that's what kind of spurs the imagination. Yes. And then, you know, have another glass of wine. And it's funny (laughs) because then you really get kind of crazy. But the thing that's so beautiful about that is no inhibitions. That's where some of the things that are coming from deep down inside are speaking. Mm -hmm. For me, I mean, well, you haven't been here to the farm yet, but I love this farm that we've moved to. And I love the gardening aspect. And I'm always trying to brainstorm. What if I did this? What if I had an event like this? What if I invited people up here that want this? And that's how I do it. And so when you start looking at some of the responses to the what if question, then you start seeing patterns and those patterns are telling. So that would be my advice Hmm. at the very beginning. And that's just one exercise. I love that. I'm already thinking, what if I taught a college planning course in France? What if I taught a college planning course in Italy? (laughs) Mm -hmm. What what would happen? In the afternoon. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's how it happens. And the more you ask the question, what if, as an adult, the more you start getting back in touch with that kind of childlike, imagination. And I think that's where we go wrong as adults is we just keep thinking that whatever it is that we signed up for is the way it's going to be. Right. And then they get stuck in that mold of only four more years, or I can't go. I've been a fill in the blank my whole life. I can't stop what I'm doing and do something entirely new. They get in that rut 
And a kid would never do that. That's a really great point. The funny thing is that it takes courage mm-hmm. to follow that through. You have that yeah. like imagination, but then it takes mm-hmm. courage to execute. Yeah. Well, encourage is a muscle too. I mean, I'm a firm believer that we're not automatically brave. And actually, we talk about that in some of these sessions, the third boom sessions, is that, you know, this week, maybe the exercise is going to be just do one thing that feels uncomfortable to you at first. Mm. You know, one thing that's going to require you to feel a little nervous or edgy or that's going to require you to be brave. And the thing is, and I know this from my own life too, I do one thing that pushes me a little bit and I think, well, I didn't die. You know, (laughs) no one made a total mockery of me or whatever. And it's like, okay, so you feel a little braver. And then it's like, well, what if I did this? What if I did that? And you get the bravery starts almost becoming like not an addiction, but you know, you start pushing the envelope a little bit more. Maybe using the example when you just said, what if I decide to teach a financial planning class in Italy? Well, maybe the what if right now is what if I do it locally first? What if I do it with a local college? And then maybe what if I decided I'm going to do it somewhere in the U.S.? And then what if I decide I want to go to another country? Or, you know, and so that kind of gradual pushing out of it is what kind of builds that bravery muscle rather than say, what if I decide to do this in Italy? Bam, (laughs) which is kind of the way I did it, but (laughs) I don't advise that for everyone, but you know, you can do baby steps and that's what appeals to many people is to push the envelope, push the envelope, push the envelope just a little bit until you start feeling more courageous. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And sometimes the things that are so helpful. I mean, it's somewhat obvious. I mean, it's obvious when we're having this conversation, but when you're stuck, it's not obvious at all. Mm. No, that's why you have to surround yourself with brave women because they're going to be cheering you on. They're going to be the ones that are saying, why not? Why couldn't you? I say this all the time, so I'm not saying anything disrespectful, but you know, my husband is very cautious. He's very methodical. He loves the spreadsheets. He's very analytical and I'm kind of the dreamer. And we always joke because I'll be like, what about this? What about that? What if I did? And he's like, oh, that won't work. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we joke about it all the time. But it's good to have people that can bring you down to reality when you need to be. But you also need to have people in your life that go, yeah, what if you did do that? That would be like totally awesome. How would that work? What would you do? And like kind of help you dream that up. And so I think that's why I'm always looking for friends and I'm looking for women who are like that because I don't want to hang out with people that go, that's not going to work. You can't do that. No doubt. That's stupid. Why would you want to do that? You know, you're 62 years old kind of thing. So exactly. Yes. You know, I'm with you hundred percent. And, you know, we've talked about before things that are assets like time or mm-hmm. energy and time always comes up as a big one but you know your tribe right. is a huge asset mm-hmm. oh yeah and yep. it can also be a huge liability yeah um, that could be a total so choose wisely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well thank you for sharing your story julie and some of these helpful tidbits that hopefully someone is thinking about how to pivot to the next chapter 
to the next. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's the best way for someone to reach you if they're local and are interested in a cohort? Well, I would say the best way to find out about the next cohort or to see any of the things that we have going on would be to go to my website, and it's www.juliegaver.com. And, you know, it's all divided up into categories, but if you go to the category that says Must Love Shoes, that will tell you about the philanthropy work that we do, that will tell you about the travel groups, the book clubs, and pretty much anything that you want to know about. I need to be doing some updating here real soon to get some fall events on the calendar, but I just stay in touch with that and follow me on Facebook. I do a lot of promoting of the events on Facebook. Okay, perfect. Yes, we follow you, but we'll be sure to uh, spread the word as well to anyone who's interested in some of your groups. So, Well, it was great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Julie. And before we go, I always have to ask what your favorite wine is or what you're enjoying in particular these days. (laughs) Well, I'm not having any right now, but (laughs) it's almost four o'clock. So there's that. I'm a big cork fan. I love big cork. I have a great relationship with them. They are our wine vendor at my charity event. And so I love their Russian Kiss. And it's a sweeter wine. It's a white wine. It's a little bit more sweet than some of the others, but that's probably my favorite one of theirs. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I'll have to get the scoop mm-hmm. on why it's called Russian Kiss, and I want yeah. to get them on another podcast, so maybe I can talk to you offline about that. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, thank you, Julie, and uh, until next time, cheers. Cheers to you. Thanks, Karen. Opinions expressed are those of Karen Coyne and not those of Raymond James Financial Services or Raymond James. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Incorporated. Karen Coyne Strategic Wealth Advisor located at 12920 Connemar Drive, Suite 202, Hagerstown, Maryland, 21742. Telephone 301-739-7002. Raymond James is not affiliated with Julie Gaver Discovery. Any opinions expressed are those of Julie Gaver and not necessarily those of Raymond James.